helpful to reflect upon this evening. Jatindra and I were laughing because however you start out, set you off in a direction. (laughs) (laughs) So be very careful. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe to start where I was this morning and just to um, come back to that uh, experience of what it's like to be sitting in the place of waking up. This morning I was talking about it, referring to that sense of feeling ourselves there with the Bodhi tree behind us. So a sense of support, gratitude. Mm. What it was like to water that Bodhi tree mm. in the early mornings when the attendance would come. Mm. And of course I'm not familiar with the caste system in India so they were kind of horrified to have me hauling water and sweeping. But how lovely to feel ourselves serving, offering, and to to be offering water, offering a sense of devotion to this this place of awakening. Mm. So as we sit wherever we are is this place and to have this quality of connection with it a sense of gratitude so it's imbued with a sense of care we we treasure it we are in the place Buddhas wake up and we we let the five hindrances fall away. Mm. We relax the grasping of the mind. And the five faculty, the five indriya, are brought into fullness. Mm. So the sense of we, you know, we can check in in any moment. You know, is there this confidence? Confidence that we can wake up to what is happening. Energy that we are applying what is needed for this to happen. 
and this you know, essential quality of mindfulness that balances these factors and and means we are with what is happening here and now. We are we know the body, we know feeling, mind, mind objects. The mind is allowed to settle, to come into this experience of unification out of fragmentation, out of the kind of scatteredness that is so wearing and so stressful. It's here. It's here. And there is this understanding of what where the attention needs to be, where the investigation is, that we're really inquiring into the grasping of the mind. What that sets in motion, how that is relaxed. So we we own this place and where we're doing this cultivation. And you know what's so lovely about that last little piece I read, that sense of again and again. Sariputta says, you know, so there's something about that recognition, moment after moment, and what it brings into rightness. So yeah, when we sit, what's present, what, what faculties are present in the mind? Mm. Have we this unshakable confidence? Yeah. Just wake up, to quote someone we know. Paul, <laughs> <laughs> just wake up. You get fiercer and fiercer about it. That sense that you know, it is not delayed in time. So, yeah, so feeling that in this beautiful day. You know, and it doesn't have to look like anything in particular, does it? You know, I, you know, I hope you each were where you needed to be you know, in terms of the physical realm. For some people, to be out in this beautiful day is very helpful. They can feel themselves best and present. And the mind can settle and open. And so we, we do what is needed. And, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a practice path. Here we are at Cloud Mountain, and I, I, some of you know, I have a, a, a disciple of the Buddha who, who I have taken a lot of solace from and reflected on their teaching a lot, and it's Master Su Yin, empty cloud. 
dwelt in a place like Cloud Mountain. And Master Suyun, its life was most extraordinary exposition of the teaching, really. And it, you know, I find it helpful to reflect on on the lives of of other practitioners and what what it takes how it may not look like you thought it was going to look and his I was sitting just before and I thought I'm exactly the same age as Master Su Yin was when he woke up his counting in Asian years, we are the same age. But oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> better get down to it. <laughs> but, no, not really. But that sense of yeah, and and because I was I was thinking and I was thinking, you know, just remembering something about him and thinking, his body was this age, and what that means. And some of you will know that before this this moment you know, of release, you know, you've been practicing for decades in different ways, doing all kinds of weird things in caves, kind of Taoist practices, and then he seemed to get more attuned to the Buddhist teaching, and he. He decided to go to a Chan retreat, and on the way he had to cross across some water, and was catching a boat. And as he stepped into the boat, where there were other people, he fell into the water, and he was swept away. So he ended up spending three days in the water, and was eventually fished out by a fisherman, who recognised him, not, I don't think as Master Su Yin, but as a Chan monk, probably because he wore these tattered robes, and took him to where the Chan retreat was going to happen. So these things, you know, like here, people gathered from all over to spend time in practice. And when he arrived, they asked him, or they told him, that he was going to be in, in I can't remember what the phrase is in Chan, but essentially the person holds the discipline in the hall. And he said no. No, He was bleeding from every orifice. (laughs) (laughs) And he said no, so they beat him. Discipline was strong. And he then sat meditation. And he sat in meditation. And as he sat, he recovered. As we do, as you all experience, there's something profoundly healing about just being here and now. And he sat, and then they came round with tea at a certain point. And this particular day, he held out his hand with his cup, and they poured boiling water boiling water all over his hand and the cup fell to the floor 
The sound of the crash was distinctly heard. Emptiness was pulverized. The mad mind stopped on the spot. The hand let go, the cup was shattered. People have died, families are broken up. It is impossible to talk about such things. Spring arrives. Everywhere is infused with splendour. The rivers, the mountains, the great earth itself are just the targeters. Mm. So in that moment where the hand stops grasping, mm. the mind let go. It wasn't what you would have expected, you know. Most of us don't expect we need boiling water poured all over us to have ourselves let go. So it can be unexpected, but there was this huge power of cultivation behind it. And in this moment, and there are certain aspects of this I find really helpful to contemplate. You know, the, the cup fell to the floor and the sound of the crash was distinctly heard. So that, that mindfulness, that, that ability that a mind is just so with it. And in my understanding that, you know, certainly Chan practice, you use sound to reveal the Buddha, that sense of who he is, what he is. So I, when I hear it, I imagine the crash revealed the knowing. Yeah. That the, this, this what heard became apparent. And Emptiness was pulverized. Yeah. So the sense of our ideas about it mm. are smashed. Mm. The reality is so different. And that whole sense of you know, Nagarjuna's emptiness is empty of emptiness. Mm. Yeah, that it isn't, it isn't an idea, it's an experience that is so full. And we hear the fullness in the following verse. You know, in that fullness of emptiness, he is in touch with profound loss. And we know his mother died when he was born. All kinds of things happened. So he, it's not, it's not a denial of his experience. It's so profound loss that it's impossible to talk about. But it is not a polarity because. Spring arrives, the flowers are fragrant. Mm. 
everywhere suffused splendor. What today? Yeah. And so this capacity where that it hasn't taken sides with anything. <coughs> so and that last line, you know, the rivers, mountains, great earth itself are just the tatavitas. So the sense that everything is the Buddha. I find it helpful just to reflect upon. Master Su Yin has this beautiful verse, but I know others of you contemplate some of the verses of practitioners who speak to this moment when the grasping falls away. And they can be really helpful because they, they point us to something that we can have such views around. There he is, sitting there. And suddenly, the work is done. What I also you know, found really helpful about Master Xu Yin, is he lived to be 120. <laughs> so there are some extraordinary pictures of him. And I have a picture of him that I've had for years and years. And in my bleakest, darkest, most desperate times, you know, just to sit looking at his face, you know, this profound harmlessness. We can take courage from each other. So I know he gave me, he gives me incredible courage. And we we use our our Dharma sisters and brothers to give us courage when it actually feels crushing. We recollect, we have these, we're not alone in this. And he went on to live a life of blessing. And once again, his life has many things we could contemplate. I mean, he was extraordinary. I mean, most of us are not going to be quite like that. Animals would come and circumambulate him. Trees that had not flowered for a hundred years would burst into blossom when he appeared. This was an extraordinary man. Um, He died in 1953. Just a a man of incredible cultivation. And in the second half of his life, he built monasteries and established places of practice for the Sangha, for the lay community. And in many years of his life, as fast as he built them, they were smashed and broken up and the Sangha would be killed or scattered. 
It was a turbulent time in China. And he just kept offering the teaching, making it available, making practice possible, taking in the starving lay community and feeding them. Just living this life from this place of blessing. Around harmlessness. So, I don't know about yourselves, but I, I find it helpful. I find it helpful to read the lives of the Buddha's disciples, to read the lives of people who are living skillful, blessing lives, just to give me courage. On a beautiful day like this, you know, the trees give us a sense of courage and possibility. But there are other times where it all has closed in. And what? How do we meet that? And my sense is we meet it from this refuge. And the, the refuge is in the Buddha knowing the Sangha. So that is this capacity to know anything in the present moment. But it is also the historical Buddha. You know, and Buddha castle behind and invisible and you know there's strings of them. You parsi, you know, strings of Buddhas behind the Buddha. You know, the Buddha we recognise. And there are there is a tension that whatever is going on, we have these frameworks, these ways of understanding experience that we can contemplate, use. But I don't know about you, but sometimes when I have been on one of my black edges, <laughs> you know, the only thing that seemed um, of solace was the fact that there was a practice path. That it is the teaching, that it is a sense that we can be with this. That there, are, there is a way. So we really we drink these things in because it's easy when it's easy but it's very helpful to have these things so deeply, such deep refuge, that we never fall into states of hell. Sangha, this this ability to wake up, and a community of practitioners. So to, to have that as an eternal experience but also to have it as an external one. We have, you know, we're an age where we can sit and watch Ajahn Mahabhua crying tears at the wonder of his enlightenment. Have any of you watched it? It's the most extraordinary thing. It's just sitting there on YouTube. (laughs) 
the most extraordinary age with the most extraordinary access. So to be able to bring Ajahn Mahabur, this, this incredible footage. And then Ajahn Mahabur telling the lay community off later for saying Arahants don't cry. <laughs> And you think, well, yeah, maybe in the middle of the Kihiki, kind of nowhere, <laughs> bottom of the world. Most people couldn't put New Zealand on the map. <laughs> Let alone where Liza and I are. Yeah. Even Kiwis often count. <laughs> <laughs> but there, there is Sangha. And there are the folks who turn up to sit with us. But there is also these layers of connection. I can sit there and I can invoke each of you. Our minds have this capacity, haven't they? That we can we can feel ourselves in these fields of connection. If you're ever feeling lonely and a bit down at heart about practice, you can pick up the morning chanting, you can chant it, and you know somewhere in this earth of ours, someone else will also be chanting it. It's extraordinary, isn't it? That we are in this huge field of practice. Here are the some of you are in your physical people practice communities, and that is really wonderful. And some of you are in places where that's not possible. But have a look at Jamahabur. Use the resources we have at this time. It's a complex age, isn't it? And there are many disadvantages to being in this. What? I don't even know what you call it. But an age with so much access to everything. But there are things within that that are so skillful and so nourishing. So as we sit anywhere, we can feel these refuges, know them unshakably. This first of the Indriya. So, yeah. To to keep that that sense of connection. Because in my experience it's critical. Maybe your minds are easier. But with a mind that can go to such extremes as this, to have these supports, to have the confidence that whatever arises, the whole of the horde of Mara, the earth can be touched. And my Dharma sisters and brothers can be evoked. Mm. 
So as we sit in this retreat, as we come and go, feel that field in which you are practicing. It was, you know, I was sitting before here and I looked across halfway through the sitting up to Oakmar and I noticed a bell is not here. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed that the bell ringer wasn't here. Oh. From, you know, from my place. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, perception's tricky, isn't it? When you're only looking this way, there's nothing behind you. <laughs> <laughs> You didn't exist, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, and I, uh, oh, relax, it's none of your business. <laughs> it's someone else is holding this. So that sense of we're in something bigger than ourselves. They're all right. <laughs> but I know even if they've decided to just go for a very long walk, I know <coughs> they will have taken care of it. And I know even if they haven't taken care of it, if we sat till morning. <laughs> <laughs> That would have been lovely. <laughs> <laughs> the breakfast bell would be more. Yeah, using this time, using the, the, the conditions, you know, having such supportive conditions that we actually nourish ourselves, let our minds come out of whatever fragmentation there is. Mm. It's inevitable when there's so much sense contact most of us are dealing with. Mm. We just come where the whole thing kind of starts to settle, we mind. We can sit, we can just be here. And Feel things coming and going, know them directly. Mm. We're waking up to the way things are. Mm. To this incredible, beautiful Dharma. Mm. Beautiful in the middle, beautiful in the beginning, beautiful in the end. Yeah. Mm. And Knowing it's not about not feeling that everything is infused with splendor. It's not about not recognizing the losses that come with this realm. But that there is the medicine of the Buddha Dharma teaching practice. Yeah. Maybe enough, and we can 
each choose maybe what next want to be. You know, the evening was so lovely. Have some time to be out in it, letting the mind relax, to feel the feet on the earth. Just be here. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.